morning everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Good to be with you this morning. Let me pray for us as uh, we get going in the message this morning. <clears throat> Lord God, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can meet together uh, virtually like this. We thank you that we have the technology to do that. Uh, we pray that soon we'd be able to meet together in person again, but uh, we thank you for this time uh, we have now in, in the communication tools we have now, Lord God. Father, we thank you for our moms and what a blessing they are to us, Lord God, and uh, how much you've given us through them, uh, Father. Uh, we just continue to pray that uh, you would teach us from your word. Help us to know more of who you are uh, and more of what your desire is for us in, in caring for our moms. Uh, give uh, me wisdom and, and the ability to communicate your word well and help us uh, to just hear and learn this morning. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, Pastor Doug asked me a couple months ago to speak on, on Mother's Day, and I, I was first of all pretty honored uh, for the opportunity to do that. Mother's Day is probably the third most important service on the church calendar, right? You, you have Easter, you have Christmas Eve. Uh, they're probably one and two, or, or maybe one A and and one B, however you want to label them. And and then third is Mother's Day, because for most of us in our, in our lives, we we have God number one, but then a close second behind that is is Mom. Right? She's pretty awesome in our lives and and has done a lot for us. So we're we're pretty thankful for her and glad we get to celebrate her this morning. Uh, also, uh, uh, I was happy to do it this morning because I, I thought a couple years ago, four or five years ago, I spoke on Mother's Day at another church, so I can just dust off that sermon and, and I'll be good to go. A nice, nice easy one this week. And so last week I was going through my files and I pulled out that old sermon and uh, I looked at it and I realized I spoke on Mother's Day last year at Liberty, and I used that sermon last year on Mother's Day at Liberty, and so I probably shouldn't repeat it again uh, this year. Uh, one time I, I got my mom the same gift two years in a row, and that wasn't very good, uh, so I don't want to repeat that mistake by giving the same message two years in a row. So I had to come up with something uh, different to use and to talk about this morning, uh, but as I was thinking about it last year, last week, excuse me, God, God is good. And uh, he, he brought an idea to my mind, uh, a topic kind of thing to talk about this morning. And, and then Sunday morning, I, I was listening to Pastor Doug's message. And if you heard it last week, you know he talked about caring for others. And I thought, huh, that, that's cool. That really fits with where I was thinking of going for Mother's Day morning, because who is one of the most important people you can care for? Your mom, right? And so that's where I was planning to go this morning. That's where we're headed this morning, right? Caring for your mom. Well, what does God's Word say about the importance of that? What does God's Word say about what it looks like to care for your mom? And so we're going to start off this morning a passage that just kept popping into my mind last week as I was thinking about what to talk about, and it, it's found in John chapter 19. So go ahead and open up to John chapter 19, 
And uh, I know most Mother's Day messages start out with a, a beautiful, lovely poem about how great mothers are, uh, something like soft and gushy. I, I'm going to start out with the crucifixion of Jesus, because that's more my style. I'm not real soft and gushy. Uh, but it's still going to be pretty awesome this morning. Uh, so John 19, starting at verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. And so, really think into what's going on in, in this situation here. Jesus has been beaten beyond recognition as a man. He's been drugged through the streets of Jerusalem. He's been nailed to a cross. He's, he's hanging on this cross in miserable. He's, he's literally suffocating to death, uh, just trying to get a, a breath of air in his lungs. And yet, in this moment, he first of all sees that his mom is there. And doesn't just see her, but but thinks about her needs, realizes she needs someone to care for her, right? Jesus is going to die. He's not going to be able to take care of his mom tonight. Jesus' siblings are in Galilee, which was not real close to Jerusalem. They're not going to be there tonight to take care of her. His mom needs somebody to take care of her. And Jesus then goes the extra step to a step of speaking, which was not an easy thing to do on the cross. You're, you're literally struggling just to get enough air in your lungs to stay alive, let alone to get enough air in your lungs to speak. And so as Jesus was on the cross, he didn't waste a lot of words. Right? We have a few of Jesus' words that he spoke on the cross. Some of them were recorded for us. And if you look at any of them, you see that they were all very important things. A little bit later in John 19, a couple of verses down further, Jesus is going to say, I thirst. And they're going to take a sponge and they're going to soak it in, uh, in sour wine, essentially vinegar, and they're going to put it to Jesus' lips. And that was to fulfill an Old Testament prophecy of, of the Messiah, of the Savior, that they, they'd give him poison, miserable uh, drink to drink. A little bit later in John 19, a couple more passages, a couple more verses down, uh, Jesus is going to say, it is finished. The huge theological statement that Jesus' work is done, that sin has been paid for, the wrath of God has been appeased, there, there has been made a path for men to be reconciled to God. Right, that's, that's huge. Right? That's a, a, just a, a massive thing uh, that Jesus says. So he didn't waste words. All his words on the cross were important. And so when he looks down and when he sees his mom and, and recognizes her need, and he says to her, Woman, this is your son, telling her to, to look to John. And when he says to John, essentially, John, buddy, this is your mom. John, buddy, take care of my mom, please. I, I can't do it. She needs someone to care for her tonight. John, can, can you please do that for me? 
Right? That, that's powerful stuff there. And now if you have a Catholic background, uh, you've probably heard this passage talked about, and, and the kind of Catholic interpretation of this is that uh, Jesus is saying that now Mary is the mother of all Christians. And I really don't think that's biblical. We, we don't see anywhere in Acts or anywhere in the New Testament that that continues on. Right? That, that idea that Jesus is the mother of all Christians has led uh, people to pray to Mary, to worship Mary. But again, we, we don't see that anywhere in Acts or anywhere else in the New Testament where they pray to or, or worship Mary or, or venerate her or lift her up in any way other than just a, a normal lady who happened to be the, the mother of the Savior of the world. And so it's better for us to understand this passage simply for what it is, simply for what's going on there. Jesus is making sure the needs of his mom are taken care of making sure that his buddy John is going to give his mom some warm food and a warm place to stay that night. And why that's important for us is that we need to see that it was of supreme importance to Jesus, even as he's dying on the cross, even as he's going through that misery, misery that he honors his mom. It's important that Jesus said he takes care of the needs of his mom. And if it's important to Jesus to do that, then surely it should be important for us as well. And so that's the first thing I want us to see today, that Jesus found it important to honor his mom and to take care of his mom. And it, this wasn't the only time Jesus highlights honoring mother and father is an important thing. If we flip back to Matthew chapter 15, a little earlier in Jesus' life, we're going to see he's going to bring up this idea again of honoring father and mother. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, go ahead and look at Matthew 15, starting at verse 1. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Uh, now, first of all, that's kind of gross that the disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. And also, I thought it was a little funny as I was reading and studying this, that Jesus' disciples are being told by the authorities of their day, wash your hands. And what are our authorities today telling us repeatedly? Wash your hands. And so, uh, I just thought that was a little bit ironic or funny or, or whatever, but this really isn't about washing your hands or not washing your hands. Uh, Jesus wasn't anti-washing hands, so go ahead and wash your hands. It's a good idea to do that. The point of what's going on here is Jesus is having this debate with the, the Pharisees. What's more important, man-made traditions or being obedient to God's commands? And Jesus is going to pretty clearly state that being obedient to God's commands is much more important than man-made traditions. Not that traditions aren't good, not that we shouldn't have traditions or follow traditions, they're, they're perfectly fine, but being obedient to God's commands is much more important than tradition. 
You know, that, that's a whole different message for a whole different day. But what I want us to see in this passage is what Jesus uses as his example for God's command being more important than a man-made tradition or a man-made scheme and plan. Look at verse 4. For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Jesus, first of all here, quotes from Exodus 20, the fifth of the Ten Commandments, saying, honor your father and mother. Right? This must have been pretty important to Jesus if, if he's going to bring this up as uh, an example of a commandment that's important to be followed. And he, he even goes so far as to quote Exodus 21, where God's speaking to the nation of Israel, saying, In your nation, Israel, if somebody does not honor their father and mother, then the penalty within your nation is that you would kill them. Right? Capital punishment was the punishment in Israel for not honoring your father and mother. That's pretty severe, and uh, I'm pretty thankful that we don't still live under the Old Testament law, that we live under grace. Right? If we were still under the Old Testament law, I would have been dead many times, especially when I was a teenager, for not honoring my father and mother. So thankfully we have grace now. And that legal requirement of the law is no longer upon us. But Jesus is highlighting, this is how important honoring your father and mother is to God. And it's still that important to God today. right? Honoring your father and mother, God highly values that. Jesus highly values honoring your father and mother. And Jesus is extremely critical here of the Pharisees because they were ignoring that commandment. They had come up with a scheme so that they didn't really have to honor their father and mother. Right? See, what they were doing there, back in Jesus' day, there wasn't Social Security, there wasn't 401ks. So when you got older, you didn't have that security, that extra money to to fall back on. So when you were too old to work, then you had to rely on your children to meet your needs, right? Even your basic needs a lot of times for food and shelter. And so it was the responsibility of a child in that day to honor their father and mother by meeting their physical needs when their father and mother couldn't work anymore. But the Pharisees, they didn't really like to give away their stuff that much. Even to their father and mother, they didn't like to give away their stuff. So they came up with this scheme to say, rather than give it to mom and dad, if I say, this is given to God, this is dedicated to God, then I can keep it and I don't have to give it to mom and dad. Right, how this worked is, let, let's say, <clears throat> excuse me, let's say my mom's donkey broke down. And so my mom needs a donkey, and, and I have two donkeys, which is cool. I, I need one donkey so that I can get around. Uh, but I, I really like having a second donkey. It's, it's pretty convenient to have two donkeys. Uh, but my, my obligation as a child is that I should give my mom the second donkey to replace her broken down donkey. 
but I really don't want to do that. So what the Pharisees did is, is their scheme was, if, if I take my second donkey and I say, this donkey is dedicated to God, then I, I no longer have to give it to mom and dad. And since God really doesn't need to use my donkey right now, I, I'll, I'll hold on to my donkey on God's behalf and maybe use it a little bit and, until God would need to ride my donkey. Right? You, you see this despicable scheme they came up with to say we're, we're honoring God so we don't have to honor father and mother. And Jesus says, you're, you're hypocrites. That's just awful what you're doing there. And what we can take away from this is that Jesus is saying honoring your father and mother is, is no more or less important than honoring God. Honoring your father and mother is actually a part of how you honor God. Let me say that again. Honoring your father and mother is a part of how you honor God. And so how we do with honoring our parents is a piece of how we're doing with honoring God and following Jesus. And now, hopefully, I'm not as despicable as the Pharisees. Hopefully, you're not as despicable as the Pharisees were. But one temptation for me to fall into this trap is, let's say, for example, my mom needs something done around her house. And so she texts me or calls me or whatever and, and says, I, I need some help doing such and such a thing at my house on Saturday. And whatever she asks, I'm like, man, I really hate doing that. I, man, I, I really don't want to want to do that thing. I definitely don't want to do it on Saturday. So, hmm, you know what? There, there's something going on at the church on Saturday. So, Mom, I, I can't come help you on Saturday. I, I got to go to this church thing on Saturday. right? I got to honor God first of all. When the reality is that that thing at the church will be perfectly fine without me, it's my mom who really needs my help. And so, e even us today, we can have the temptation to use God as an excuse not to honor father and mother. And Jesus said that just doesn't fly. If you're not honoring mom and dad, you're not honoring God. And if doing something for God is, is not an excuse to not honor our father and mother, then all the other little excuses we come up with not to help and take care of our parents, they don't really hold much water either, do they? And so we need to honor our father and mother. It's part of how we honor God. But what does that look like? How does that play out practically in our lives? Let's go to Ephesians 6 and start to see some practical application of this. Look at what Paul writes in Ephesians 6, starting at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so Paul here, first of all, quotes again from Exodus 20, the fifth of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. And so like I said earlier, we're not under that Old Testament law anymore, but we can't say ah, that honoring father and mother, that's, that's Old Testament, we don't need to do that. Paul makes it pretty clear that God still values honoring father and mother. It, it still applies to us as Christians in the church today. We still need to do that. And 
while we don't live under the punishment of the Old Testament law, that we're not going to be punished or put to death if we don't honor our father and mother, Paul gives us a, a positive reason to do it. He says that this commandment, it, it has a promise that it will go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That if we honor our father and mother, it, it's going to help us in our life. And now that this isn't a promise, this isn't a guarantee that if you honor your mom and dad, you're going to live a long and prosperous life. This is more of a general statement saying those who honor it, father and mother generally make out better in life. It generally helps them to avoid some negative things and, and maybe make some right choices if they're honoring their mom and dad. And as a community, as a church, it's going to help us and it's going to be beneficial if we're honoring our father and mother. And really, if you look at the world around us, I think this is pretty evident. That if you look at children, children that come from a solid home, a lot of times are better off in life. End up better, uh, making better choices, end up with more opportunities in life if they have that solid family unit. If we have solid families in our church, that generally makes for a better church. If we have solid families in our community, that generally makes for a better community. Now, that's not to say that you can't be great, awesome parents and your children still make really dumb mistakes. And that's not to say that if you're a child and you had a horrible family life, that you're going to not be a good person. You could still end up being a, an awesome person, an awesome follower of God someday. But generally speaking, solid families give children an advantage. Solid families in the church build a, a stronger church. Solid families in our community build a stronger community. And so we need to honor father and mother. We need to seek to build strong families for our benefit, our children's benefit, for the benefit of our church and our community. And so uh, the, the question I asked, though, was, what practical ways do we honor our father and mother? What, what does that look like in our life? And Paul gives us one practical way in verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents. Now, don't let that word children throw you off. Now, don't write this off if you're 45 years old and say, Oh, that's for children. Because in the context of this passage, that word doesn't have an age restriction. Paul's not saying, if you're 18 and under, obey your parents. That word children there is just a general term for anyone who has a mom and a dad. Irregardless of your age, if you have parents, then you're a child. And Paul says, obey your parents. Now granted, that looks different as we get older. Right? When you're a little kid, mom and dad control pretty much all of your life and you need to do what they say in almost all situations. As you get a little bit older and hopefully a little bit more mature, then you start to get some more responsibility and you start to get some more freedom. And so obeying your parents looks a little different. Right? When, when you're 50 years old, Hopefully your mom still isn't telling you what to eat to, for dinner and what time to go to bed. Obeying your parents looks a little different when you become an adult. 
It becomes more about, are you respecting your parents? Are you still listening to them? Still considering what they have to say? Still taking into account their wisdom and their advice in your life? I think we we mess up on this a lot of times as a culture today. We tend to get the attitude, well, we're more advanced and we're more progressive, and so we don't need to listen to what older people say. They're they're old and and they're antiquated and, and they don't know what they're talking about. And a lot of times as a culture we've written off older people and we've not honored father and mother like we've should and and it's been to our detriment a lot of times that we don't do that. We need to get back to respecting father and mother, get back to listening to godly advice and godly wisdom from mom and dad. Right? We, we tend to think that we know better than them because we're more technologically advanced, and in reality we're as foolish as they were at our age, and we need to learn from their mistakes and successes. Because a lot of times when we don't, we make the same mistakes. We're just we're technologically advanced in making those same mistakes. And so, first of all, in honoring our father and mother, we need to obey our parents. Whatever that looks like for the age that you're in right now. And so we've seen that God values honoring father and mother. Jesus valued it. Paul said it has benefit for our life. And one piece of doing that practically is to obey father and mother. We'll go now to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And Paul's going to give us another practical piece of what does it look like in our life to honor father and mother. <clears throat> Sorry, it's getting a little dry there. First <clears throat> Timothy 5, starting at verse 3. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So Paul's pretty blunt there, saying that part of our duty in honoring our father and mother is to take care of the physical needs of our aging parents. Right? As our parents get older, they, they need us to care for, for them. They've cared for us and done a lot for us when, when we were younger. And now as we get older and we can care for ourselves and, and they get older and they can't do as much for themselves, Paul says it's our duty, our responsibility to care for them. And Paul is pretty blunt in verse 8 that if as a Christian you don't care for your parents, if you don't care for your other aging loved ones, right, aunts and uncles, grandparents, whoever that is in, in your sphere of, of care and influence, if you don't care for them, Paul says you've denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. That, that's pretty harsh criticism. He says you're, you're not even really being a Christian. Because remember, honoring father and mother is part of how we honor God. 
And so if we don't honor our father and mother by caring for our parents, then we're not honoring God. We're not living for Christ. We're not being a Christian. Now, Paul's not saying that we can't ask for help, that that other people can't come alongside of us in that. He's not saying that you personally must be responsible and meet every physical need of your parent. He's just saying you you need to take the responsibility to make sure your parents are cared for and their needs are met. For me, if my mom called me and said that her furnace was broken, I'm not going to go over to my mom's house and fix her furnace. I just don't have the ability to do that. My skills with a furnace start and end with turning the thermostat up and down. So I'm not going to personally take care of that need in fixing her her furnace, but I can go and I I can be responsible for that need. I, I can go and I can help my mom find somebody that can fix her furnace. If it costs money and my mom needs some money, I can be responsible to help make sure that she gets the money that she needs to pay for that repair. Right? I don't have to always meet every need personally, but I need to be responsible to make sure the needs of my mom are met. And so part of us honoring our parents is making sure we're taking care of their physical needs as they get older. And along with that, in this passage, Paul says part of our responsibility as a church is to make sure that the older people in our church are taken care of, especially those that are widows, those older people that we know of that don't have children for whatever reason that are taking care of them. We as a church need to step up and help to take care of them as well, step up and help to meet their needs. And so our first responsibility is, is to our own parents and our own family, but as a church we have this extended responsibility to all the aging people in our congregation. How are we doing as individuals in caring for our parents, for our older relatives? How are we doing as a church in caring for the older, rel- older individuals in our church? I know we don't have a, a ton of them at Liberty, but... We have a few. Are we keeping our eyes open for those needs and and doing what we can to meet those needs, stepping up when a message goes out that this elderly person needs some help? It's part of our responsibility in honoring father and mother. And so I really want to challenge you to think on this Mother's Day, how are you doing at honoring father and mother? Remember that it's important to God. So important that in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel, he said the penalty for not doing it is that you would die. That's pretty important to God. And thankfully we don't live under that today, but Jesus said it was still important for him. It was still important for Paul. And Paul says it's still important for us as a church today to honor father and mother. That it's going to have benefit for our life. It's going to benefit our church. It's going to benefit our community if we're taking care of our parents, if we're taking care of the older people around us. If we're obeying our parents, if we're listening to their wisdom, whether we're a kid or whether we're an adult. So think today about how you're honoring mom. Take this Mother's Day to just reflect on this. How are you honoring 
your mom and your dad. That looks a little bit different for each of us. If you're 16, maybe that just means on Friday night you get home when mom said to get home. Maybe if you're a 30-something like me, it means you do a better job of still listening to your mom's advice and wisdom and and taking consideration of, of her counsel to help you make good decisions in your life. Maybe if you're 60 years old, it, it means having mom come live with you because she can't live on her own anymore and she doesn't have anywhere else to go. I don't know what specifically it looks like for you today to, to honor mom and to care for her, but I challenge you to reflect on that this Mother's Day. Well, your mom has probably done a lot of stuff for you, and now's your opportunity to do something for her. And not just today, but all throughout the year. Let me pray for us as we close. Lord God, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this Mother's Day, a day to stop and think about moms and honor them and and reflect on how awesome they are. We thank you that you love and care for moms and dads and that you value them. And help us to value them and care for them as well. To see their needs, to see the opportunities we have to love and to serve them, uh, both as individuals and as a church. Help us to live that out, to build strong families, strong churches, and strong communities. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time, happy Mother's Day, guys. Hope you have a great rest of your day.